Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses, including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome OT entrepreneurs to the OTs Get Paid podcast, season one, episode eight. As you definitely know by now, this season we are focusing on revenue generation and pricing. And today we have a fantastic talk with a fantastic guest that gives us a deep dive into a topic that scares so many of us, numbers. More specifically, your business finances. Full disclosure, in this episode, you're going to hear about my journey from fear, paralyzing fear, of my business finances and getting to a place where I enjoy them with lots of help. Let me tell you why this is so important. Getting comfortable with business finances allows you to drive your ship instead of having it drive you, which I know so many of you feel. Getting comfortable with your business finances and being the captain of that ship allows you to be nimble. It allows you to dodge icebergs. It allows you to navigate the path and to the destination that you want to take. Have I beat this metaphor to death yet? (laughs) I know so many of you feel that same way. And again, can we really call ourselves CEOs if we don't have a finance background? Can we build successful businesses without being really well-versed in our numbers at all? Can you call yourself a true CEO if you don't even know how much money you have in your bank account? Can you embrace your inner CEO if you have a once a year meeting with your accountant who updates you on numbers and away you go? Of course you can. And so many of you are doing it right now. In today's episode, I want to support you in the shame, the fear, the embarrassment that is around this topic for so many of us, and help you by bringing on one of my most valued team members, my bookkeeper. Our next guest hails from Calgary, Alberta, 
She was born and raised here. This guest runs a thriving financial services company where she has grown consistently through referrals only business. Think about that. She's booked up only through referrals. This guest believes in financial literacy and freedom and has a goal of financial health for every single client she has. She's a mom to two bright and really individual teens. It's one of my favorite things about her. She loves karaoke. She has a very unique circle of friends, of which I'm grateful to be one, and loves her walks and her runs outdoors in Calgary's large park network. So ladies, and it turns out some quite a few gentlemen, today I bring you Heather Grant. Welcome, Heather Grant. I'm so excited to have you here. A financial advisor would more than anything best summarize who you are in your role, in your professional role, and in my world. So I want you to start by telling people, how do you get paid? I have my own business called First and First Consulting, and we offer accounting services, HR services, and general entrepreneurial coaching. And the title of your company, the name of your company is? First and First Consulting. And how did you get that fantastically brilliant name? <laughs> well, it was, I just had a basic numbered company and had wanted to find and create a name that suited the services that we offered while also incorporating a bit of myself and was out for lunch with a great friend of mine named Super Trish girl. Williams. Super yeah. girl! <laughs> First and first really represents the intersectionality of small business. And we want our clients to come to us first when they are looking for a service provider, when they have an issue, when they're stuck and they have nowhere else to turn. And we often are able to find solutions just in the broad network of people that we work with. Mm, that's great. I don't know if I've heard you describe it as such. So what's the pop culture reference that's hidden in that that makes us laugh every single day? <laughs> Kramer uh, on the corner of First and First calling Jerry. For those who are very young who are listening to this podcast, there's a lot of people that are like under 35 that listen to this. That's Seinfeld. And we do send each other that gif on a somewhat regular basis. Okay. So Heather, you know, I always ask this question of people. It's that fist on the table moment. It's that there's got to be a better way moment of why people start a small business. So what was that for you? Why did you start your own company? Well, I was let go from a job. Yeah. And I was creating a life for myself that was a balance around being a single parent and having a business and a business that was rewarding and fulfilling and created the connections that I was looking for. So it was born out of necessity more than a plan. And it flowed quite smoothly with the acquisition of clients that grew into a place where I was able to hire staff and we have just started our sixth year of being in business. And I'm happy to say that my original clients are still with me from six years ago. That's amazing. So you started it out of necessity, which is a story just like mine, right? And a lot of people that are listening. And yet you created your own job outside of a J-O-B that you had. You started a company where you're getting paid and you found the freedom and the balance and the lifestyle that you were seeking through this. Is that correct? 
It's correct. You know, there's so many different measures of success. Mm -hmm. And for me, the measure of success is that freedom of choice in how I'm spending my time. And it's been quite wonderful to shift from the person doing all of the work to the person acquiring clients and maintaining relationships and oversight and also training people to become better at financial reporting because our biggest product is financial statements and creating a world where people are comfortable with their numbers and understand their numbers instead of being afraid to look at them is it's a great place to be. I feel seen. Great. (laughs) I feel like that's exactly my story. I feel totally seen. So great segue because that's exactly what you've done for me. And as I mentioned in the intro, that's exactly why I want to have you on because so many OTs that I speak to now had the exact same journey that I did and I'm still on. But that total fear of numbers, that total paralysis, that just, and then feeling so embarrassed about it or shame of not understanding it. And you've been pivotal in helping me understand it. And so that's why I wanted to have you on. I'm so glad that you can, you know, spread the goodness to everybody. So why don't you tell the people then how you and I met? Why don't you take it way back? Way back, way back. I don't know, five years ago-ish, mm-hmm. I think. We met and I I think I got a call from one of the tax accountants I work with mm-hmm. to go off and meet with you. And you had just started Spring OT. Mm-hmm. And it was a matter of kind of figuring out what our relationship was going to be, how much support you needed, where you were at in starting the business and getting to know each other. What I find pretty much... of the time is that there is an enormous amount of shame around numbers. And it's important to me when I'm first getting to know a client or potential client to really just dispel that shame because it doesn't need to be there when you're talking to me. And it really doesn't need to be there for anybody, but it is. And that's real. And I often say that my, well, In reality, a lot of my clients become very close friends because I've had the opportunity to see the most intimate part of their life, which is their finances. Mm -hmm. And that is private. And I feel honored that people let me into that part of their world. One of the things when I'm meeting with new clients and getting to know people, and this can last for years, is I always say, ask me as many times as you need to ask me. If you need to ask me the same question about your financials every month because you just don't understand, that's okay. Yeah, just that makes asking. a lot of sense. And you know, mm-hmm. I think to the therapists that are listening, that'll ring true because that's something that we've been taught in school and it's something that we have experience with with our own clients. Whether you are, you know, peds clinician and you're needing to say something again and again and again to a parent or to any client you may have, even my OT entrepreneur coaching clients, I say, it's okay. You know, I've had quite a few people actually say to me, you've told me that six times, but it finally makes sense today. So I love how you're pulling that out of like the finance world when that's something that's very apparent in the therapy world. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how did you create that, Heather? Like I, you know, because I'm kind of in this unique place of being the client and also looking at it from 30,000 feet to try to analyze the experience or summarize it. But what specifically did you do to create that safety? I 
I'm just in general, a very non-judgmental person. That's true. That's very true. And that is really the answer. Whether somebody has a million dollars in the bank or mm-hmm. negative $100,000 in the bank, it doesn't mm-hmm. change the way that I approach them and I work with them and I treat them. It, it just doesn't matter. Ultimately, the person and their mindset and their goals and their joy is what I'm working with, mm-hmm. not the yeah. number in the bank. That's a really good way to put it. And again, I was joking. I feel seen earlier, but I really did. Like you did create this very safe place. So I want to like serve myself up on a platter. That's part of what I want to do with this podcast and why I asked you, because I know you're like, oh yeah, I'm all about, you know, transparency and, you know, serving you up on a platter to other people. But I want to kind of talk about from your perspective as well, where I was when you and I first met. So to clarify a little bit, Spring OT was in its kind of second iteration when you and I met. I had had the clinic before. Hey, it's Trish. Now that I've got your attention, I wanted to tell you about something that we are really excited about here at OTs Get Paid. This month, we are kicking off our formal, systemic, organized, planned, woohoo, referral program. With every referral of somebody that you bring to us that purchases one of our two signature programs, Road to 100K and 100K Club. We give you money. We're leaning into it. We're leaning into our brand and we're going to get you paid. At this point, we are offering $400 for people who refer someone who enrolls in our 100K Club Mastermind and $250 for somebody that enrolls in our Road to 100K program. But we're not stopping there. Your referred member will also get access to a bonus Q&A Zoom call every month that we are doing just for new referred members with our coaches. It's going to be Q&A, ask the coach anything. How are you going to do this? The best way to do this is to connect with us via email or through DMs. We're keeping it really simple for right now. And we're saying, hey, here's their deets. Do you want us to call them? Are they going to get in touch with us? And as long as you mention each other, we will connect you and let our system wheels spin and they will get their bonuses and you will get yours. And I want to remind you, we are a company with a mission. It is to bring more wealth to more female OT entrepreneurs because we know what women do with money. They use it to better their families and they use it to better their communities. So for every dollar, that we generate here at OTs Get Paid every year, we give away 1% of our gross income to Dress for Success, which is a charity, an organization that's dedicated to empowering women towards financial independence. I hate to use the term win-win-win. Somebody has a better one. Please let me know. But we don't want you to keep those benefits to yourself anymore. We want your referral partner to win. We want you to win. And of course, we have a social agenda here at OTs Get Paid. For, but I met you when we expanded into the new building. And I met you when we were really ramping up and I had changed accountants because I had had an account that I liked, but I wanted to kind of fall in love with an accountant and really understand the finances. So I found the account that we're talking about because she had been recommended as somebody who had left KPMG, started her own firm, really wanted to support women in small business. And I was like, check. And then you were the second person I met face-to-face outside of that office. And you came to the clinic. I remember that vividly. Mm -hmm. And we sat down and tell me about like 
what did I present like on that first day? Like paint a picture for us. Well, it was a September day and (laughs) you're nervous and the sun was shining through the windows. It was beautiful. Um, What do I remember about you on that first day was your confidence in the clinic that you were creating because it was the first time you had just moved into the brick and mortar building. The second Um, one, the bigger one. The bigger one. And it was really, you described the atmosphere and the team you wanted to build and your vision. That's what you shared with me. And I mean, there wasn't a lot to get started on Mm -hmm. at first as far as reporting and planning. That's what I remember, Trish. Wow. I thought, thank you. I remember, so, you know, we had had probably about two and a half years of renting a room at that place. I had one contractor and myself. We actually were really profitable because we had barely any overhead and we shifted into much more overhead and hiring more people pretty quickly and expanding into that space. So I think that's why you're referring to, it was pretty simple at first because I came in, you know, making quite a bit of profit and, you know, it wasn't a complicated financial spreadsheet or a complicated business model at that point. Right. Right. And it was also the time of year. Uh, We had just finished summer and getting into school contracts that was just starting to ramp up. That's true. So I appreciate you saying I had confidence. I remember feeling really engaged in the sense that you very quickly wanted to understand the business and very quickly grasped it, not just from a numbers perspective. Like, you know, as each step rolled along, you would be able to refer to every single contractor by their name, even though you hadn't necessarily met them. (laughs) I, I practice that. That's not easy. <laughs> well, you do really well with it. Or just even the different names of the different contracts. And you'd remember things like, oh, that contract only runs 10 months. Or that one is harder to apply for the government. And you lose some money up front because of all the, the work that you need to do, et cetera. So let's talk about when you first noticed, what should we call it? I guess the fear around my fear about numbers. Like when did that first start to kind of come into things for you? Well, okay. First of all, there's all kinds of different kinds of bookkeeping clients. There are clients who just want their bookkeeping done in order Mm -hmm. to get a tax return and they never actually want to look at their numbers. That's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And then there are people who maybe want to look at their numbers once a year before they go off to the tax accountant and say, what? That's how much money I made or that's how much money I didn't make? Huh. And then from there, that type of client starts to turn into a, hey, can we look at the reports on a quarterly basis? And then that education around looking at the reports and understanding the reports turns into a much more in-depth understanding for that particular business owner. And people sometimes stay in the first bucket and sometimes progress through to really getting to know their financials and understanding them. So... With you, I think we started out just in a place where the reporting needed to get done in order to prepare a tax return rather than really looking in depth at the numbers. And the drive came from you, maybe into our second year, in wanting to understand what the heck is a profit and loss and what is a balance sheet? Like, why do you talk about those words, Heather? (laughs) 
stop using you, big words. <laughs> and as you may notice, my voice took a tone of frustration. <laughs> so yes. full disclosure, we went through a bit of a long-term difficult journey in getting some comfort around what a balance sheet is, what a profit and loss report is, what do those numbers even mean? And how do they reflect what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and the decisions you're making in your business? Yeah, thanks for bringing up that last point because I want people to vision, you know, where the impetus for me and the impetus for me wasn't to become some financial superstar or catch up on my missed MBA experience or do bookkeeping on the side. Like I, you know, scraped through high school math with tutors, by the way, and numbers just freaked me out. And so it was akin to that summer that I sat down right after, like about nine or 10 months after we met. And I was sitting down on my dock at the cottage and really just trying to take things to the next level and really take it like realizing that I couldn't make good decisions if I really didn't understand the numbers. So I remember texting you that summer, I think from the doc and call, mm-hmm. or calling you and just saying, Hey, we need to put me on like a financial boot camp." Do you remember, did we meet like every week for we did. the fall? Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> so here, we did. okay. I hope you're rubbing your hands with glee. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> okay. Cause you can get as honest as you want. Okay. Heather, what were those meetings like? <laughs> well, Trish, they were a bit intimidating because we had developed this beautiful friendship along Mm -hmm. the way. And then you asked me to embark on a difficult journey with you. (laughs) A journey that, can I say, had some resistance to it. And knowing that you wanted, I knew where you wanted to go. I knew what the end result was. And I knew I could get you there. And it would just take some time. Our initial meetings were pretty challenging because you did not like these reports and the learning that went along with them. The learning that went along with them, I mean, understanding what a balance sheet is, what a profit and loss report is. and we. But we just kept pushing through. And one of the beautiful things is that you knew how frustrated you were and you would be like, no, let's keep going, keep going. Okay, next week, this is the goal. We're just going to focus on this one thing which was great. We had set these goals. We started small and it was really just about creating that foundation and then building upon it in a very manageable way. Good point. Thank you for that. You're giving me so many compliments. I'm offering you so much opportunity to like run me up the flagpole. So was there crying? Probably. I don't remember. Did you cry? (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Did I get very frustrated? Was my, was, did I, my cheeks ever turn like bright red? Did I ever have to like, was my sweater ever just too warm and I would get all agitated? Well, I do remember the one time you wanted to meet in one of the therapy rooms that was full of foam blocks. And it was just, it was kind of like a boxing session by the end. Okay, that didn't happen. Sorry. <laughs> but I felt like that's something. It could at any done. moment. We it's could so have funny. done that. I don't remember that, but that's, yeah, I, I would, I would suggest something like that. Okay. So yeah. And you know, you reflected back to me at one point that I would raise my voice, which I feel so badly about because I just don't raise my voice, but I think I'm offering that out because I was never upset at you ever. I was upset that I just didn't understand it. And I just am harping on this again and again and again, because I want people to know that it's okay to be as messy as I was. Like it's 
be messier. I don't know if you could be messier, but... Listen, you weren't alone in that journey. And I've worked with other entrepreneurs on that journey. So watching you get frustrated, I mean, my heart went out to you because I just wanted to pass my brain over Mm -hmm. to you for like an hour, a few hours, and then you could pass it back to me having some internal understanding I know how difficult it is. So I can have patience. You're allowed to raise your voice because you're frustrated. So it, it's just part of learning. It is. Thanks, Heather. That's so gracious of you. I actually love, again, what you said. Like you're pulling out so many things that I actually say as a therapist to my clients. And what, because, you know, I, a peds clinician, one of the things I say to parents, like it's all, honestly, I say it to almost every parent I have, which is like, I just want to give you my brain. Like that's my job is to pass along what's in my brain so that you don't need me anymore. I want you to be able to think like me. So, well, thanks. I feel so like such an interesting therapeutic match in that way, right? Yeah. What I do, I feel like is therapy a lot of the time too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I, again, and I think it's to your credit that you created this place where, you know, things were really safe that I could then just keep showing up and being like, I still don't understand this. I still don't understand this. And then we got to a place where we could like now have meetings in like out- outdoors, like in restaurants in public. Mm-hmm. Cause you're not afraid. <laughs> There's no need but for maybe, a foam pit. Yeah. Maybe that was safer. Maybe we should have done exactly. restaurants <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> so thanks for getting that tone and conveying that to everybody. And I know we've spent some time on that, but again, I just want people to understand that it's okay to be there. So we've talked about the importance of your role in my company. And what I want you to address next is if you could tell people how they can make their bookkeeper or their accountant an integral part of their team. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a little bit difficult to answer because there are so many different personalities in accountants and bookkeepers. And I would suggest that if you don't feel like you are in that safe place with your accountant or bookkeeper, and I say that because I hear quite often from people that they aren't in a safe place with previous people that they've worked with, then it's time to switch. And it's time to ask people around you locally for names of people that they trust and would recommend. That's one thing. Another thing, if you are in a place of trust and safety with your accountant or bookkeeper, let them know that you're ready to go on a journey of understanding your numbers and being more involved in monthly reporting, quarterly reporting, annual reporting, and that you would like to set up some meetings to talk about what your numbers mean and to talk about what impact some decisions that you are considering would have on those numbers. I think that some people, like, I think in the beginning, I would have never known to say that I didn't feel safe. I just legitimately didn't know that that was a role that accountants and bookkeepers and financial advisors could play, really. So whenever I bring this up to other OTs that I'm talking to, they're like, oh, no, I just seen my accountant like once a year. I'm like, no, you could actually have this relationship. Like you could actually get to understand your numbers and have them be your financial coach in a way that you might not have understood before. So even by saying that and giving people permission to be like, oh, I can have them become really integral and, you know, have them be a dynamic, like 
person, even if you and I weren't friends, you would be the type of financial advisor bookkeeper that I could have over text and just be like, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is amazing. Yep. I didn't know that existed before. Okay, so let's get to the meat of what we, I wanted to talk about with you today. And those are the top four tips you've come up with, the top four tips that are most important for OT small business owners with regards to budgeting, because that's really what we're focusing on in terms of the numbers. You know, there are balance sheets, there are, you know, reports, profit and loss. But I think when you and I were planning for this meeting, it really comes down to budgeting to be able to see, you know, what were the numbers last month? What are the numbers this month? And what are the predictions for the numbers going forward based on a bunch of different variables? So hit us Uh with your top tips, Heather. What's the first? First, and I'm going to change what we discussed when we were planning this. Number one, get excited about your budget and get excited about your numbers in a way where you can create a budget for the first time or maybe the second time or 10th time that you are excited about and is achievable in a way where you might be pushing yourself somewhat or you might be wanting to stay in a really safe place, but just get excited about it because it's, they're your numbers and they're a reflection of your business and they're a reflection of what you want to do. Yeah. And you've really empowered me to understand that. So now I tell others, oh, numbers tell a story. And once I really began to understand that, then I got excited because I was like, oh, these don't define me. I can move these numbers. I can change this story. In fact, I want to change this story. So, you know, just for the people that are listening, if you're still like, oh gosh, what is a budget? We're going to get to that in a second. I wanted Heather to start here. So the next Uh point we talk about after the top four, we'll start to talk about like what's actually in a budget. Okay. Number two. Okay. Number two, keep up with your numbers. And as you're getting started in this learning journey, keep up with them on at least a monthly basis. And what I mean by that is, so let's say you're just brand new at budgeting and maybe you want to create a budget for the next three months because that feels safe and achievable. Well, for the next three months, compare your budget to what actually happened in your business. And this is where you'll be working with your bookkeeper specifically and say, let them know that uh, on the third or fourth day of the month, you want to see a report of your profit and loss for the previous month. Pull that out, compare it to the budget and say to yourself, where did I come in? Did my planning decisions come to fruition? And planning is your budget and the actual profit and loss numbers are the result of that planning. And by keeping up with them on a monthly basis, you get to see whether or not your planning is reasonable. And if you are making decisions in a way when it comes to your planning, that it's coming to fruition. I agree. And it's interesting because when you start really getting to the nitty gritty, because I'm not a very... I mean, I'm detailed enough, but that's not my superpower and I'm far more gestalt. And when you start thinking like, oh, I've been dividing those numbers by 12, except the summer contracts, Mm -hmm. the school contracts don't exist. And that's two months that you didn't know you had. Or you're thinking that one of your contractors is able to see, or one of your employees is able to see, you know, 40 kids in a week and they're realistically seeing 23. It's just really interesting that it sounds trite, but what you think is happening isn't necessarily what's happening. Right. And this is a journey that you and I went on specifically was looking at employees and looking at contractors and 
trying to guesstimate what happened over the specific 10-month school contracts that were coming up. And it was Mm -hmm. very challenging to get to a place where we could predict with reasonability. But we got there. It took some time. You know, that we won't get into that now. Maybe we'll follow up on the Facebook group, you know, after this goes live. But that is one of the challenges of having contractors versus employees is it's, you know, legally, I can't tell contractors when and how they should Mm -hmm. be working. And there were so many benefits to the company to have contractors. And, you know, one of the downsides was that predictability. I agree. Okay. Mm -hmm. Number three. Okay. Don't just look at your bank account because your bank account is a reflection of what's happening on a cash basis. Whereas your financial statements really tell you the true nature of what is going on in your business. You can I mean, depending, there's so many different things that can go on in a bank account and a reason why there is money or there isn't money. And one number, a bank balance, doesn't tell you the story of what's going on in your business on a day-to-day basis. So just going back to that financial reporting and keeping up with the numbers. I love that. That literally blew my mind. And that was one of the hardest things for me to get over. And I have had this experience with so many OTs that I coach when they're like, well, how much money do I have in the business? Well, I have X because that's within the bank account. And I swear I felt like I had graduated from finance school when I finally had the mental flexibility and the understanding to be able to be like, oh, those numbers aren't the same (laughs) as what's actually in the business. And you know, we won't get into this amount of detail here, but we'll talk about different ways of reporting in a few minutes, but the ability to know that you can manage the numbers in so many different ways to tell different stories other than just what's in your bank account blows my mind. It blew my mind. Great. Perfect. Okay. Last one. What's number four, Heather? The last one is to get creative and figure out how to report on your different types of revenue in your business. And what I mean by that is, so a typical profit and loss report, you would have income at the top and your expenses would fall underneath. And at the very bottom, you get your bottom line, which is your net profit. And that is how much money that you are keeping in the business. So one number showing your income doesn't really give you a reflection. It doesn't really tell the story of the decisions you're making because In the OT world, you might be seeing private clients, you might be in school contracts, you might be signed up with different government agencies, and all of those types of revenue have a different level of income and associated expense with them. And until you get into that detail, you don't really understand the story of what is going on in your business. So work with your bookkeeper and your accountant to get into that level and get creative about how to report. Which is such a good tip. And it's actually a good segue into what I want to talk about next, which is you and I had a bit of a scuffle or healthy disagreement because I wanted to give people some visuals. I wanted to give people a template. I said, you know, Heather, let's just put in some numbers on some of the templates that you and I have built. Okay, you (laughs) have built (laughs) an Excel for me and let's like roll that out for people. And you were like, no, 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 no. So that's that was something that I wanted to add to the number four to say, hey, there's different ways of reporting. Here's a way that's worked really well for me. And why did you disagree with that? I disagreed with that for a few reasons. One, there are so many different ways that OTs or entrepreneurs will run their business. And They are very individual, even if they're in the same industry. So creating and handing out a template for a cash forecast doesn't 
really work because there are so many individual decisions that go into these forecasts. The second reason was around people's understanding. And I'll give you an example of a client that I've had for five years, and we worked on reviewing a cash forecast on a monthly basis. And she also would get very frustrated and upset every time we looked at the numbers. And one, after one of these meetings, she said, Heather, I just, I'm just going to take this and I'm going to revise it a bit, just the format. And then I want you to go back in and put the numbers in and we'll review my new format in two weeks. So she went and did that sent me the revised one. And it really was the exact same information, but just organized differently. And as soon as she had done that, she was like, oh, this feels so much better. I understand what I'm looking at. So for me to say, okay, OTs, here's a forecast example that I want you all to use. If you don't really understand and connect with that format, it's going to mean nothing. You can put in a bunch of numbers. They mean nothing. You might be missing big chunks of information. And so they really mean nothing and they could really throw you off. So I'm not a fan of templates that everybody can use. And I respect that. And I'm glad that you illustrated that. So that's the decision we went with because you're the expert in this category. So briefly, before we go into what is a budget, there are lots of different formats that you can use. There's QuickBooks. There's, you know, Laura Park Figueroa for the OTs out there always talks about YNAB in the States and blending profit first. You know, you and I, Heather, have some really basic, lovely Google Excel spreadsheets with variables that we, you know, play with depending on hours or number of clients, et cetera. There's lots of different formats out there. And again, as you're scratching your head, sitting here going, well, just tell me what to use. I believe, Heather, your answer would be, I'm not going to tell you what to use, but I am going to tell you to go find that bookkeeper and that accountant with whom you can have that, you know, safe, dynamic relationship with. Is that correct? That's correct. Really, when you're creating a budget or a cash forecast, you first need to understand your variables. So whether you're charging X amount per client or per contract, creating a template or finding an app that gives you an opportunity to play with the variables, that is when you can make your numbers fun, I dare say. (laughs) With hesitation. Because fun. Right. Let's say you, so I like to create a template that has space for variables and then you play with those variables. So just to keep it simple, you're charging X amount per client and you currently have 20 clients. Well, what would happen if you had 40 clients? Plug that number in. Oh, look at how much revenue you would be earning at that point. And what are the associated expenses per client? Oh, well, is that really where you want the business to go? Or do I need to actually change the amount I'm charging per client and keep the same number of clients, therefore managing my expenses differently? So the variables are what make budgeting fun for me. I hope someday for all of you. Embrace it. Yes, and if you haven't listened to podcast, gosh, I'm not sure where my numbers are, three and four and five, we start talking about what different models you can add to your business so that you can price away from that time for expertise, like your time per client into, you know, groups and packaging and high-end offers, et cetera. And as you're building these, you are going to keep your eye on what's an inexpensive way for me to be able to deliver 
this product. So if you're going to run a summer camp, but you have to hire 20 staff, that's a decision for reach, but it might not be the same decision for profitability. And so if you haven't listened to those episodes, go back because that'll give you some ideas of how to start playing with some of those variables that Heather's talking about, at least from like an OT clinic point of view. Okay, before we jump into our last segment, which is the rapid fire questions, Heather, you had mentioned in one of our conversations that there are different problems, and maybe maybe it's about variables here, when you work with first-year business owners versus seasoned business owners. What do you mean by that? Yes. What I mean by that is with a first-year business owner, you have hopes and dreams and plans and goals. But you don't really have the experience in your current business to know how you're going to get there with a lot of certainty. Whereas with a seasoned business owner, you have worked through the kinks, you have worked through hiring, you have worked through finding space, buying materials to set up your business it's just a different place. And with a seasoned business owner, you're more likely to understand the impact of those decisions on your numbers. So when you're in that first year entrepreneurial space and you really want to connect with the numbers and you really want to connect with how the numbers are reflecting your planning and goals, it's just important to dive in and know that you are in a place of a pretty big learning curve around that education and to run with it and go with it and rely on the people around you to assist you in making decisions, those people that you trust and that you can share the financial details of your business with. And whether that's your financial team or you have an entrepreneurial group that you're relying on or a coach, I mean, it's just, it's wonderful to reach out and rely on those people. I agree. When you're starting to bring some income into your business, and I'm always encouraging people to hire the first two, which is a VA that can do those $10 tasks for you and a bookkeeper and an accountant. And people feel that that's, you know, money that they're not bringing in. And it's a difficult return on investment to see if you're consistent. Like, you know, I paid you for every single piece of time that you had me when we had our quote unquote boot camp, but it was the best money I ever spent because. I got to understand my business in a totally different way. So I'm always encouraging people to go and really find that bookkeeper or that accountant or that financial advisor that makes sense to them. Even if you're not bringing in a ton of money, even if you're close to the first part of your business, it's still very well worth it. So one of the questions we haven't asked, and this is the last question before we jump into rapid fire, is, you know, we've talked about budget, budget, budget. We've talked about variables. I want to hear really clearly, and whether it's for a first year or a more seasoned owner, can you give us a summation of the most important variables that should be found in somebody's budget? What is important in your budget is to prepare numbers in a way that makes sense to you. And for some people, that means creating a 50-line budget and breaking out the cost per software, the cost per employee, the cost per type of revenue stream to dive into those numbers and really understand them. A budget needs to be all-inclusive. You have to really dive in and think about every single dollar that is going out of your business and every dollar that's coming into your business. And, and that can be pretty challenging 
in the first year. As time goes on, like I said, it's pretty easy to pull that information out of your accounting software to make sure that you're being all-inclusive. So one of the problems I see initially with budgets is just completely forgetting about the cost of software or the cost of banking, the cost of running credit cards, just some of those things that can slip your mind. Really? You think they're incendiary. I mean, if I have to, if we have to make another line item where I'm like, oh yeah, I upgraded to Loom at, you know, $5 a month and it's like, who cares? And you're like, it goes in there. It does go in there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you have 10 pieces of software that cost you $5 a month, well, what is that annual cost? And if you forget that, it's pretty significant. Anything else that should go in there? I like to, at the beginning of budgeting, write some notes write a little story. What are your plans? What are your hopes? What can you confirm will happen? And what do you hope will happen? Because with a good budget template, you can actually create two or three budgets at once for, let's use the example of COVID times. At the beginning of 2020, I think everybody was planning for a great year. And then March came around and all of a sudden, every single small business needed to pivot. And if you were a meal delivery system, you got to pivot up. Everybody else pivoting down. So at the beginning of 2021, well, how do we create this budget? We have no idea what's going to happen this year. So it's really important to have a template where you can just play with those variables. I agree. That's literally my favorite thing. Sometimes I can get a little obsessive about it and sometimes I'm like in the flow, but yeah, I actually open up that document. I can't even tell you how many times I open that document to start playing with those numbers. And it brings me great comfort now. Like I said, it's almost a little obsessive where I'm like, okay, on track. And that's again, one of the biggest movers that I made in the company other than building a strategic plan, which is something that I talk about again and again in this podcast, because once you have figured out, you know, the strategic plan is another way of telling the stories Mm -hmm. and putting those plans on paper. And then once you've decided, Hey, you know, we're going to try, we're going to aim for $300,000 in revenue next year. I'm not even hundred percent sure I'm going to get there. You start to tell the story and break it down using those variables. And once you start being able to play with those, you know, the whole world opens up for how to grow. It's really important if you have created that strategic plan to share it with your finance team because that gives your finance team a chance to see the holistic picture of where you want your business to go. What I can see from time to time is a strategic plan that relies so much on the business owner's time to get to that place, you know, 12 months from now, five years from now, whatever the case may be. And it isn't achievable unless there's growth of a team. Mm -hmm. And if that strategic plan doesn't allow for that growth and, you know, as business owners, we can do everything. Absolutely. (laughs) We can spread ourselves so thin. I mean, have sleepless nights, wear ourselves out, be the jack of all trades, but it's not the best use of our time. So when working on a budget, it's really important to understand the holistic picture of the business just to make sure the budget is reasonable. And if we need to be increasing the team to get to the end goal, then we'd better plan for that. We'd better put some money in the budget. 
Yeah, you're right. And actually, that's a great segue to what I think is coming up next in the order of these podcasts. If it isn't coming up next, it will have been the previous episode where I talk about other ways of creating revenue in your business that aren't just hiring a therapist. There can be other team members that you hire, but it's not always just hiring one more therapist to expand on that. And again, it's all about getting creative with how you can bring in some more money and changing that time for money variable to time for expertise. That's like a huge theme here. Okay, so let's shift into you, Heather, as a business owner of First and First, not necessarily as like a financial advisor to small business OT entrepreneurs. So Heather, we've come to the rapid fire questions at the end. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay, and this is not about like your expertise as a financial advisor, a bookkeeper. This is about you as a female small business owner reflecting on your company First and First Consulting. Okay, you ready? Yep. Okay, what's the biggest money splurge that you have in your business? Hiring green people and training them. Hiring the right people to get the right people on the bus. Yeah, hiring for fit, right people on the bus. We talk about that all the time. We're actually talking about that in the Facebook group right now. Okay, what's your biggest personal splurge? I know. What is it? I don't know. You get meal kits delivered on busy, busy weeks in your home. Oh, no, I get them every week. Okay. (laughs) Every week. I think that's a great splurge. I don't even feel like it's a splurge. I don't spend as much on groceries because I it's all planned. It's right there. I'm not buying extra stuff. I mean, I love that. Yeah, I think it's great. Okay, so do you have any... Let's talk about the help that's in your life, not just in your business, but in your life. Do you have any paid help in your life? I get my house cleaned once a month. Is that what there you mean? There we go. Yeah, absolutely. This is our last question on rapid fire. If I could wave my magic money wand and put seven figures into your business right now, what would you spend it on? I would spend it again on hiring more people. Really? Yep. Who would you hire? I would. And what roles would they, they be? Well, I would love to have more service under the umbrella of First and First that we offer directly. And I would just love to spend more time teaching people what I know so yeah. they can go out in the world and do the same thing that I do. Just like you did for me. You helped me be that person for some others too. It's all a ripple. It's a ripple effect. So Heather, on that note, thank you very, very much for being here today and for being super transparent and very helpful and meeting so many of us OT business owners where we're at. It's much needed and much appreciated. Thank you for having me and allowing me to meet you where you're at. I am so excited to let you know that the second annual OT Entrepreneur Summit is just around the corner. It starts on May 3rd, 2021, and we have content and community where you can learn and be supported by OTs who own their own businesses, and they are going to peel back the curtain and give you insider secrets into how they've built their successful businesses. We have interviews where you're going to learn about marketing, social media, sales, profitability, how to grow a product-based business, how to leverage tech in your businesses, and the list goes on. This is for people who are starting, growing, and scaling their businesses. It is co-hosted with the fabulous Laura Park Figueroa of Mind Your OT Business. 
both of us have seen an increase in the number of people who want to be OT entrepreneurs. People are reaching out. People, if you just have a nugget of idea and you're starting, this summit is for you. If you have been in business for, you know, three, four, five, seven, 11 years plus, we will give you information and support on how to continue to grow and scale your business. You are not alone. When we hosted the OT Entrepreneur Summit last year, we thought the content was our ace in the hole. Everybody said the content was fantastic. What we didn't expect was the rush of how much and how many people loved the community. This year, we are doubling down into our private Facebook group. It is going to be open for one month and that is it. And this was the place to be last year for people to gain support. People found their business besties. People felt like they were no longer living as solopreneurs or silopreneurs, as I call them. This year, we are offering even more in terms of an offer, particularly around the Facebook group. You are going to have your experts who gave the interviews come in and provide their individual coaching. Laura and I are adding daily coaching, which is, you know, the price point for that is very expensive compared to the price point of the summit. We want you to be supported. Laura and I run busy six-figure businesses and we dedicate our spring to this event. It is our passion. We want this to be the number one destination for OT entrepreneurs around the world. We pour our hearts and souls into this because we believe in the value and transformation that you can get from this event. In the show notes, you can see the link. It's www.otentrepreneursummit.com. Go there and you'll get more information on this event. More importantly, you will be able to sign up for the waitlist. Once again, we only have a 24-hour window where we will be offering our early bird price. And after that, that's it. We're not selling tickets for very long, probably three or four days. And we want you to be notified right away of this price point. We had people last year who kept their businesses open because of the OT Entrepreneur Summit. They started podcasts because of the OT Entrepreneur Summit. They met their business besties, as I mentioned, because of the OT Entrepreneur Summit. Can you tell? I'm going on and on and on. I want you, if you are interested, to not only sign up, but also tell a friend. If you participated last year, tell a friend, an OT business friend. If you are interested this year, please share this with an OT entrepreneur friend. We had so many people that shared this information last year, and we want your friends to attend because we want them to get the same value that you will be getting out of the summit. See you there. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you have feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time.